Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, a podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today we have the second part in a message called The Compassionate and the Clean. Today Pastor Roy will be speaking on the verse Matthew 5, chapter 8, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along as Pastor Roy looks at what it means to be pure. What a great lead-in for our message today, the compassionate and the clean. Last week we spent our time focusing on compassion, compassionate mercy, the challenge to be merciful. Today we're going to focus our attention on the clean, the pure in heart. The gospel writer tells us in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There should be a PowerPoint up there under PowerPoint. Is it having trouble coming up? Okay. So we'll see if we can get that going. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The heart is a metaphor for the center of our lives. Everything flows out of our heart. And our spiritual activity, our intellectual activity, our moral decisions, our convictions are the control center of the heart. And that's why the heart is so vital. In Romans 10.10, It tells us that the heart is the instrument of belief. It says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. In Psalm 51.10, the psalmist, Lorena referred to this verse a moment ago, when David, after his great sin with Bathsheba, he confessed and asked, cried out for God's mercy on him. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. What a wonderful prayer we should pray. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So holiness and purity actually come together. And if we go back to the Psalms, In Psalm 24, just for a moment, listen to these verses. There's a question that is asked in this psalm, and it says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And here's the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Clean hands and a pure heart is what God requires to come into his presence. And maybe the reason sometimes when we open the scripture and it does not seem to speak to us is because we have dirty hearts. And God doesn't want to put his clean word into a dirty vessel. And we have to have clean hearts. And that's why the writer of Proverbs said, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In Proverbs 4.23, we are to guard our heart. We are to protect it. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of life. Everything about us, spiritually, intellectually, morally, and all that way. So we're going to talk this morning about three ways to keep a pure heart. The first way to keep a pure heart is by treating God's word like a treasure. 
Now, I don't mean buried treasure. Because <laughs> some of you, you take your Bible home on Sunday afternoon, and it gets buried somewhere, and then we do a scavenger hunt on Sunday morning, trying to find our Bible. And we go through that routine, every, where's my Bible, where's my Bible? And I haven't seen it all week long. That is not treating God's Word like a treasure. <laughs> That's not what I mean, buried treasure. I mean treating it as precious and valuable. Listen to this verse in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, finish it, there will your heart be also. So the Bible's telling me wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart is. So if, my, if the word of God is my treasure, that's where my heart is. It's with the word of God. If that's the treasure that I'm treasuring, that is valuable to me, that I care about, that I'm concerned about. So the question is, thank you, we got it here. So how does a person treat this treasure of God's word? Let me suggest three things that we can do to treasure it as a treasure. Number one, store up God's commands within you. Store up God's commands within your heart. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Another version say, I have hidden your word. I have put it in there so that it can't be ripped out. It's a treasure to me. I've stored it up within me. Now, some of you, the idea of storing up commands is taking your bulletin and sermon notes and stuffing it in your Bible, and you've got six months' worth of notes and everything in there. I don't mean that. I mean stirring it, storing it up in your heart, where you are taking it to heart, and it is changing how you live. It is changing how you make decisions. It is changing where you go and what you do. Storing up God's commands. Let me give you a simple outline for this verse. The best thing, your word, stored in the best place, my heart, for the best purpose, that I might not sin against you. Many a child who watches TV for hours will go down in history, not to mention math, English, and geography if you know what I mean. The Bible is God's cleansing agent for sin, and without it, we will never live a holy life. Psalm 119, if you want to flip your Bible over to Psalm 119, you'll notice that there is, it is in the form of a Hebrew acrostic poem. There are 22 stanzas. They are broken down in eight verse sections, verses 1 through 8, is under the first Hebrew letter, Aleph. The second set, 9 through 16, is under the second Hebrew letter, and it looks like Beth, but it's not pronounced Beth, it's pronounced Bet. Aleph, Bet, you get alphabet, get that idea. Okay, but here's the deal. That letter, Bet, do you know what that letter means? House. House. A house is where people dwell. Guess what the psalmist is telling us? Make your heart a home for the Word of God. Make your heart a place where the Word of God dwells. So my question is, what is the condition of my heart? Do, does the Word of God find lodging in my heart? That is the vital part. 
Does it take up residence in my life? Apart from the grace of God implanting the word of God in my heart, listen to this carefully, apart from the grace of God implanting the word of God in my heart, my heart will always be occupied by such filthy evil spirits as lust, greed, pride, and self-love. If I attempt to drive out these demons by myself, it will be a futile effort. They will only return in greater number, and my later state will be worse than the beginning. God alone can cleanse the heart, and he does so through the agency of his word, the Bible, storing up God's word in our heart. Here's what the psalmist says, in, or I mean the Proverbs writer says in Proverbs 2, My son, if you receive my words and do what? Treasure up my commands within you making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And you know what? Sometimes people receive that momentarily and then they get outside the doors and they discard it in their relationships, and everything else. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So here's the question. At what age should a person start storing up God's commands within their heart? As early as possible. As early as possible. Satan whispers to young people, don't take this message about Christianity seriously. Eat, drink, and be merry. Live it up until you're older. That's a lie from the enemy. We need to take it seriously. Josiah was king when he was eight years old in Jerusalem. And the scripture tells us in the eighth year of his reign while he was still young, he began to seek the Lord. He was 16 years of age. And he took his walk with God very seriously. Teenagers, there's a challenge. You want a role model? Look up and read about Josiah. And yes, he lived in a wicked era, just as wicked as your day and our day. And yet he took it very seriously. In order to live a holy life, we have to give ourselves to God's word. And we start young. If we want to live a pure life, if we want to live a clean life, we've got to begin at an early age. If I do not choose to store up God's commands at a young age and live a pure life before I'm at a young age, it's doubtful that I'll do it when I get older. I've got to develop a habit because bad habits are hard to break. Poor decisions have harsh consequences. Secondly, we live in obedience to God's word. We store up God's commands within us and we live in obedience to his word. The psalmist said, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commandments. In other words, don't let me deviate, don't let me get off course. And the psalmist wouldn't say that unless it was possible for us to get off course. 
Don't let me disobey. Don't let my heart be enticed to follow something else and abandon your commands. Let my heart be devoted to your word. That's what he's saying. Paul warned the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Let me give you some other examples of people in the Bible. Daniel and his friends. Daniel and his friends were taken from their home in Jerusalem and hauled off into Babylonian captivity, which was totally pagan. They changed their names. They set before them meat that was sacrificed to idol. Filet mignon, as it were. Gave them expensive wine to drink. And what did Daniel do? Did he forget his God? No. The Bible says Daniel resolved in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. (laughs) He was more concerned about having a pure heart before God. And why? Because he had the word of God in his heart. And that's what it's going to require from us. You cannot take your cues from the crowd. (laughs) They have to come from Christ. And there are very few people that want to do it that way. Josiah, again, in the 12th year of his reign, so this would have put him at about 20 years of age, he purged Judah and Jerusalem of all the idolatry. He went out and he slayed, and they, they killed, destroyed all of the idols and recovered the word of God and began to bring revival back to the people It says that he tore down the high places and the Asherah poles, carved idols and cast images. Why? Because he was concerned about purity before God. Thirdly, meditate on God's laws. The psalmist said, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Many of you will remember the name William Wilberforce. He was the British statesman, statesman who was largely responsible for the abolition of the slave trade throughout the empire. He wrote in his diary in the year 1819, Walk today from Hyde Park Corner, repeating the 119th Psalm in great comfort. Does it seem strange to you that Wilberforce would be able to recite the 119th Psalm from memory when he was such a busy man. Henry Martin was a pioneer missionary to India. He memorized the 119th Psalm as an adult in 1804. He had a very arduous life, but he confessed it was the Bible alone that gave him the strength to keep going. David Livingston was a pioneer missionary to Africa. He won a Bible from his Sunday school teacher by repeating the 119th Psalm by heart when he was nine years old. (laughs) Say, wait a minute, I'm not that old. (laughs) I can't take it that seriously. Young people, take it seriously, take it to heart. It's easier to memorize when you're younger. Right, older people? (laughs) I'm looking at you that are older than me. I'm starting to struggle. Uh, The memory, it goes. And so the more we can store into our minds and hearts at a young age, the better. 
Let's go on to the second one. How to keep a pure heart by holding on to God's promises faithfully. Holding on to God's promises faithfully. You see, God's promises are the motivation for your purity. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 7.1. Paul writes to the Corinthians, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. But the motivation for purifying our lives is the word of God, the promises of God are the motivating factor. And why did the Israelites suddenly become defeated and overwhelmed and lose their lives, many of them in the wilderness, is because they forgot the promises of God. God said, I'm taking you into a land. I'm providing an inheritance for you, the land of Canaan. I'm taking you there. And some of them got totally off track and built an idol in the middle of the desert because they forgot the promise of God. So the promise of God is vital for purity in our lives. Absolutely vital. To have these promises, notice what it says here, we have, present tense, that word have there means to hold in possession. I hold in my possession the promises of God. Now it's one thing to hold something in possession, and it's another thing to actually hold it and use it and do something with it. Let me give you an example. I have a pickup truck. I enjoy my pickup truck. But if I never got the keys, and I never stick them in the ignition and start it up and put it in drive, I'll never enjoy the benefits of that pickup truck. So even though I possess it, I have to use it for it to have a benefit in my life. For me to benefit and live a life of purity, I have to put the promises of God to work in my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is a promise that God has given us. But listen, I have to practice it. I have to practice trust when I don't see what God is doing. And on and on. And we're going to look at some others in a moment. To have these promises, they are ours for the taking. A promise is a verbal agreement from God to us. A verbal agreement. Let's look at another verse here. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need. I probably should underline that. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious what? Promises. So that through them, through these promises you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. Did you see that? It is through the promises of God, through our knowledge of the word of God, possessing them and using the promises of God to bring purity in my life. There were two wives talking one day, and the first wife said to the second wife, has your husband lived up to the promises he made to you before marriage? The second wife said, just one. The first wife said, well, which one is that? The second wife said, he said he wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> He's lived up to that one. 
And, you know, we all fall short of living up to our promises, but I can tell you this, God has never failed to keep his promise one time. And that's reason to trust. He's never failed to keep his promise even one time. So we escape this corruption that is in the world through evil desires. I want to go back for a moment here. He says we have these promises, and so what are we to do? We are to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. What is this word contaminate all about? It means an action by which something becomes sullied or dirty. You see, here's what happens. When you and I have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I accept Jesus, and I become a child of God, I am given a pure heart. And out of that purity, I now have a desire to live a pure life before God. That desire comes from God, changing me. And let me give you a, 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 just an earthly example. When I take my truck to get it washed, and I get it washed, and it is sparkly clean, the last place I want to go is go visit Daryl out of his farm. Because <laughs> I don't want to go on that dirt road and get my truck all dirty. And especially if it's rained and it's muddy somewhere, I don't want to take it out of the ground and take it out into a nice muddy parking lot and get mud all over it. Why? Because it's clean. I want to protect the cleanliness of my vehicle. How much more, if God has cleansed me and washed me, do I want to protect the cleanliness of my heart? But let's talk in practical terms. Do I pay attention to my entertainment? The movies. Best picture listed, American Sniper. Do you know there's over 140 uses of profanity in that movie? Over 140 and probably a dozen uses of God's name in vain. Now you tell me, is that purity? <laughs> you say, well, it's a true story. So what? <laughs> so what? <laughs> is that keeping a pure heart? Is that protecting my heart? Is that walking out and saying, that's just one? And there are dozens and dozens of movies that people go to and they just justify Oh, God, yes, I'll pray and I'll read my Bible, but why pray and read your Bible if you're not going to listen? <laughs> and we wonder why there's not revival in the church. <laughs> I'll tell you why. We aren't obeying God. <laughs> we aren't keeping pure hearts before God. Plain and simple. God, deliver us from that. He goes on to say, purifying ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for Christ. Now, he's not saying we're going to live a perfect life. What he's saying is we are growing in sanctification. We are growing in completeness in Christ and being all that Christ wants us to be. The process of sanctification, I'm dedicating myself to God. I'm dedicating myself to moral purity. I'm dedicating myself to be devoted to God and God alone. Now, let's go back to our text here. Here, I want to look at the promises that are written. When he said in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, since we have these promises... We need to go back in chapter 6 and see what those promises are. 
Okay? So that's what we're going to do. 2 Corinthians 6, he starts off with a couple questions. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. He's saying if we're going to be God's people, there's no possible way I can have a relationship that God's temple is pure and holy. Our bodies are the temple of God. There's no way I can be connected with an idol. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And so that's what he's telling me here, these promises. He goes on to say, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We are the temple of the living God. God's temple is incompatible with idols. Christians are God's temple, therefore we are to separate ourselves from pagan ways. So let's go back to these promises again. Number one, God says, I will make my dwelling among them. Here's what he's saying. Our body is the temple of God, and when I receive Jesus Christ into my life, God comes inside of me in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants a life of purity. And he is going to make his dwelling inside of me so everywhere I go, the Spirit of God goes with me. He's making his dwelling. So guess what? The promise of God is going to keep me pure when I adhere to it, when I recognize that. Secondly, they will be my people. Corporately, we are the temple of God. Corporately, we are the temple of God. Corporately, God wants purity for his church. Because he says, they will be my people. That is his promise. We will be his people. Thirdly, I will be their God. He is going to reign and rule over us and guide us and direct us in our lives. What a wonderful promise. I don't have to do it myself. God is there for me. He's going to help me. Fourthly, if it comes up, it's not advancing. (laughs) Let me just give it to you. They will be my people. There's the fourth one. We will be God's people. What is our response to God's promises then? He gives these promises. I will make my dwelling among them. They will be my people. I will be my God. They will be my, there it is. Just came up. I don't know what happened there. Okay, our response to God's promises. Separate from them. What did he say? To separate yourselves. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? We're the temple of the living God. He says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. There's a separation. Now, here's what I want us to understand and remember my separation from sin is not to become holy it's because i am holy did you hear me it's my relationship with god that's made me holy not what i do but because god has made me holy i separate myself from sin as much as possible i avoid it i run from it 
I abstain, as the Bible says, from even the appearance of evil. That's what God requires of us and longs for us to do. He goes on to say, they touch no unclean thing. And here he's talking specifically about idolatry because they would put their hands on idols in idolatry. In Isaiah 52, 11, he says, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. What is God's response then when you and I separate ourselves from evil and we don't touch an unclean thing? God's response to our obedience, I will receive you. That's what he says in the passage. Going back to 2 Corinthians, in verse 17, Chapter 6, therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I'm going to welcome you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will do what? They'll see God. (laughs) We will see God. Secondly, I will be a father to you. Wow. I will be a father to you. A relationship with God. And thirdly, You will be my sons and daughters. That's what he tells us in that passage. God is going to live with us and walk among us. And did he not do that with the Israelites? He was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. His presence was there. He was with the people. And he says, separate yourselves. Don't touch the unclean thing. God help us. He goes on to say back in, I don't know if I have this, yes, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So here before he gives the promise, he's saying here's what you're going to have to do. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Wow. Do you know what it means to be, don't be yoked together with unbelievers? He's saying don't be unequally yoked. Don't be mismatched. Here's what you don't see. You don't see an oxen yoked with a dachshund. (laughs) A little tiny dog. They're totally incompatible. And he's saying it's totally incompatible for a believer to be yoked with an unbeliever. Why? Because we have a totally different purpose. We have a totally different aim in life. I have a totally different desires. There's not really anything to be close about. (laughs) It doesn't mean I totally break from them, but my relationship with them is such that I am trying to pull them toward righteousness and my witness. A believer has no reason to be in close association with someone who is a lawbreaker is what he's saying. This lawbreaker is one who constantly violates God's laws. He has no regard for God's laws at all. And then he says light and darkness. What fellowship do they have? They're totally opposite. They don't mix. People who are walking in the light of God's truth have no relationship really with people who are walking in spiritual darkness. Christ and Belial. This Belial is a name given to a devil or an antichrist. They don't mix, he's saying. To separate from them. 
And he tells us to walk in the light of truth. In 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and what? The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walking in the truth purifies us. Going back to why we need to store God's word in our hearts and focus on it. We also confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, we're not going to be perfect. We may blow it from time to time. But we come back and say, God, I'm sorry. And we mean it from our heart. And we don't try to do it again. This third one I'm going to give you is just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's important for purity. By looking forward to the return of Christ. By looking forward to the return of of Christ. In 1 John 3, 2 and 3, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him does what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. That hope that is in Jesus Christ. I am looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. I'm looking for that blessed hope, and because I'm looking for that, that is my focus. It is not just the here and now, right to this moment. Instant gratification is not the most important thing. And going back to the movie thing, I would encourage you, we have a ClearPlay DVD player at home. If you've never heard of it, go to clearplay.com. Clearplay.com, and you can order a DVD player, and it cuts out language, it cuts out violence, it cuts out all kind of sensuality, vulgarity, it cuts out all that stuff. And you can watch the movie faster, that only lasts about 15 minutes. <laughs> it works really well. You can watch about three or four movies in a night. Um, no, but I'm saying it cuts this stuff out because we don't want it in our mind. And it filters it out. You get a little filter stick that you download all the filters on your computer, you stick it in, and it filters all that junk out. The other thing I would encourage you to do is go to pluggedin.com before you go to the movie. I've walked out of movies before. Yeah, I paid, but I walked out. It, was, it wasn't worth the pay. Um, it just depends on, on do we want a pure life. And those are some practical things that we can do. If you don't want your children using profanity in your living room, don't take them to it at the theater. It's that simple. Let's move on. He says in 2 Peter 3, 11 to 14, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? He's talking about the earth is going to be destroyed one day. You ought to live holy and godly lives as why? You look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. 
But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Do you think God is concerned about his people living pure lives? (laughs) I think he is. And the way we do that is by looking forward to the return of Christ. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would like you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I wonder where your heart is this morning. Is it desirous of purity, longing for God's law? Or do you relate more to, where is my Bible? (laughs) I know it's around here somewhere. Um, Or maybe you're somewhere in between. I confess it is a challenge to be in God's Word. Our lives are busy. But if they are so busy that we don't take time or have time, then you might want to reevaluate your schedule. Because there's no substitute for storing God's Word in our heart to live a pure life. I can tell you, even though I'm in the Scriptures pretty much every day, there's not many days that evil thoughts don't come into my mind. You say, wait a minute, you're a pastor. I know I am. (laughs) Don't think the enemy leaves me alone at all. And I appreciate your prayers. And if you have a prayer that you pray for Pastor Roy, pray for purity. Every day, pray for purity. Because the enemy is out to attack us, attack his church, attack his people, those people who want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And I can tell you, if you are committed to a life of purity, you're going to be in the minority because the highway to holiness is not crammed with a lot of people. (laughs) It's just not. And yet the Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You may have it figured out how you are going to make it to heaven on your own, apart from Jesus' death on the cross. And I will tell you, you are sadly mistaken. And what you may be able to hide from your wife or your children or your husband and your grandchildren, uh, you will not hide from God. God demands purity in our hearts. So if you're here this morning and you do not have a pure heart before God, would you confess that to him where you are? Would you say, God, I'm sorry. Some of you may have some addictions in your life that you have not been able to break the chain of the addiction and it is defeating you time and again. Would you say, God, I need help. And I would encourage you to seek out an accountability partner and find out the steps you need to take to break that pattern in your life. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And maybe you don't understand that yet. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're taking in God's Word. And, and I would encourage you to ask God to give you understanding. Saying, God, I want to understand this. I want to know this. I want to be able to have you in my life. If you sincerely mean that in your heart, God will reveal himself to you. I believe that with all my heart. For those of us who are believers, it's a challenge. But God has given us pure hearts when he washed us from sin. And because of that, there's a desire to be pure. If you have a spiritual need in your life, I'll be shaking hands at the back door. And I would invite you to speak to myself or someone about your soul. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.